And we're good. I'm glad to be in church today. If you're glad to be in church today, say amen. amen. Good. Turn your Bibles to the book of Acts. We're going to be bouncing around the book of Acts a little bit today. So today we're going to talk about one of my favorite Bible characters. You don't hear a lot about him, but there is a lot about him in the scripture. And he's very important. And a lot of people know of a Bible character by the name of Paul. Well, without this Bible character, there is no Paul. So I'm going to pray and we'll get right into the message tonight. God, I thank you for today. I thank you for all you've done for us. God, I thank you for your love for us. God, I thank you that we can be in church today. God, I love this church and I thank you for this church. I love this church family. God, I thank you for every single person in this room. I pray you bless them, God, for making church a priority tonight. God, I pray you bless the preaching of your word. God, I pray that they would see you and not me. God, I pray that you'd fill me with your Holy Spirit and hide me away. God, and I pray that you just give us something from your word and from you tonight. God, thank you for all you've done for us. Again, God, thank you for your son. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In Acts chapter 4, like I said, we're going to be all over tonight. But I just want to give you a quick introduction on who we're talking about. In Acts chapter 4, look with me in verse 32. It said, And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which had possessed was his own. But they all had things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands and houses sold them, and, and they brought the prices of things that were sold. And they laid them down at the apostles' feet, and the distribution was made unto every man according as he has needed. So all the people in the church would sell what they'd have, and then they would put it all into a pot, and they would distribute as everybody needed. That's crazy. That was the New Testament church of that time. And then we're going to get into what we're going to talk about today in verse 36, or tonight. And Joseph, who is by the apostles, was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus. Having land, sold it, and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So today we're going to talk about a man by the name of Barnabas. And here the Bible calls him the son of consolation, or in other words, the son of encouragement. A lot of what we're going to be talking today is encouragement and, and being there for other people. Or if I had a message, a title for this message would be the heart of people from the life of Barnabas. His possible death was of martyrdom. He could have possibly been stoned back in his own country, but that's not known. We don't have that in Scripture. But it's also possible that Paul and Barnabas actually met each other before they meet each other as we see in Scripture because uh, as you see it says he was a Levite and, and Paul was a Pharisee and they could have actually been taught at the same spot. And he also went, if you read, a lot of people know him from going on all his missionary journeys with Paul. So that's just a quick background. We'll get right into the message in Acts chapter 4 and verse 34 uh, through 37. Our first point, what we're going to talk about with Barnabas is that he was a sacrificial Saint. It says here that he's having land, sold it, and brought the money, and he laid it at the apostles' feet. So pretty much, I don't even, we don't have record if it was extra land, or if it, it might have been the only land that he had, but he sold it, and he gave it away. And I'm not here preaching, you know, sell your house and give it to the church, but he was sacrificial 
and what he had. Not, he didn't see what he had as his own. He saw it as God's. And it's honestly how we should view our own life. We should already view our life as God's. When God asks, I want you to do this, well, God, that interrupts my schedule. God should be the first thing on your schedule. God should be the first person that you ask God, okay, God, what do you want me to do today? And I'll work around you. Um, as an example, well, we'll get it later down the road, but Barnabas, whatever God told him to do, he did. He immediately obeyed God's voice. Even if he told him, sell your land and give it to the apostles, and whatever money you make from give it to the apostles. That was crazy. If somebody asked me today, well, obviously I don't own land. I said, Anthony, sell your car and then give all the money you have from the car to the church. I would be like, God, what are you doing? I need that car. Barnabas might have been thinking the same thing. You know, that's my land. I need that land. But he put God, what God said above what he needed. He was sacrificial. What do you sacrifice for God? Sacrifice means that it costs you something. It talks about in the Old Testament where David said, I couldn't sacrifice to God if it cost me nothing. It should cost you something to live the Christian life. If you're so comfortable that you don't feel like you're sacrificing for God, you know, maybe it's not the true Christian life. And I'm not here to you know, hound on you like you're not living a real Christian life. But a true Christian life is characterized by sacrifice. I mean, look at the life of Jesus. He's the ultimate example of him sacrificing for us. We don't deserve it. We never did anything to earn it. But he laid his life for us because he sacrificed for it. And he expects the very same from us. We should live a life of sacrifice. It talks about how he was a Levite. A Levite means that he, he could have worked in the temple and he could have helped out the priest. A lot of the Levite's job consisted of guarding the temple. Actually, some of the Levite's jobs consisted of singing songs or psalms in the temple. There's a lot of things he could have been doing, but if he got saved and he joined the local church, he put that aside for God. He sacrificed a, a life of high prestige as a Levite to be a missionary for God. That might be God's will for your life. He lived on the island of Cyprus. Now, this was just more background information. If you don't know, Cyprus is a little island. Well, it's not super little, but it's in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea, right off the coast of Israel there. And he sold what he had for Christ. He was zealous for God. You can always tell how zealous somebody is for God by how much they sacrifice for God. You say, oh, well, you know, you can't really fake it. People really know who you really are. It's like, okay, well, that person, that was a crazy sacrifice that they gave. You know that they're on fire for God. Do people know that you're zealous for God? He would do anything. I mean, this pretty much shows it. All that he had, all his land, God asked him for it, and he gave it. What would you do? I mean, what, would, what, what are you holding back from God that if he were to ask for it, you would kind of pause and say, you know what? You can't have that. Whether it's your time or your money or your land. or What if God said, you know, I have something better for you somewhere else? Would you say, well, I, I like where I am now? You know, Barnabas probably liked where he was. He probably liked the land that he had. And, but he didn't regard what he wanted. He didn't regard what his plan was. He only did what God wanted him to do because he sacrificed for God. True passion and desire for the Lord will be a life of sacrifice to the Lord. So we hear about... Barnabas before we hear about Paul. So before you even hear about the great apostle Paul who started all these churches and did all these great things, the Bible talks about a man named Barnabas who sacrificed for God. And that's a big part of what Paul's life is, and we're going to get into that. So not only was he a sacrificial saint, but he was an accepting apostle. Look in Acts chapter 9. Like I said, we're going to be bouncing around the book of Acts, just looking at different aspects of Barnabas' life that can... That can uh, 
affect us. In Acts chapter 9, in verse 26. <coughs> and when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. So we're going to pause for a quick second. Paul gets saved. Paul's on the road, road to Emmaus, right? Damascus. I don't know what, a road to Emmaus was the other two guys. Woo! All right, so Paul's on the road, just walking along. And you all know the story, the God shines a great light from him. And, and before we even, you know, judge all the Paul, think about who Paul was. Paul would go into, he would search out Christians and just persecute them and even kill them, children. You know, men, women, it didn't matter. Think of it as a terrorist from an Islamic nation comes in to New Jersey and starts murdering Christians. And then all of a sudden, he gets saved. We, you know, if he walked into our church, we would probably be like, you know, we'd be like, who's ever working security, make sure they don't open the door. <laughs> and that's what this church is talking about here. They see this Saul who comes in, he's, he's, he's known as somebody who persecutes Christians. He's known as somebody who defames the name of God. And they were afraid of him, and rightfully so. And we honestly, if we're honest with ourselves, we would all be in the same spot. But he said, you know, I'm a disciple. And he goes, I believe Jesus. You know, I got converted. God showed me. And we would all be thinking, well, that's a great story, but you're probably here to kill us, so we're not going to let you in. But Barnabas, in verse 27, it literally says, but Barnabas took him. And he brought him to the apostles, and he declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way. Now, if you see the Lord, it'll change you. It's not the message, but that's good. And that he had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And he was with them coming and going out at Jerusalem. And he spake boldly in the name of Lord Jesus and disputed against the Grecians, but they went about to slay him. So we see here that Barnabas gave Saul a chance. We see that, that Barnabas was accepting of Saul. Now, we read, obviously, that he's seen Saul before he walked into that church and that he knew about his conversions. Barnabas accepted Paul when no one else did. There's a lot of people in, in our church or, or people outside of our church, if they were to come in, you know, we wouldn't be very accepting of him. And that shouldn't be. No matter who comes in this church, we should welcome them with open arms and talk to them and, and make them feel welcome. It, it should be... Our church should be known as a friendly church. It, it doesn't have to be known as a church that compromises and is okay with sin. Okay, well, you're living a lifestyle of sin. Come teach a Sunday school. No, but it doesn't mean we don't let them in. It doesn't mean that we don't minister to them and love on them and, and, and be friendly to them and try to draw them to Christ. Because nobody else is. Obviously, the world's not going to be like, okay, well, you, you know, let me show you what the Bible says. It's not going to happen. So if they come into our church, if people that you know, may seem as less desirable, or as we in our own pharisaical minds see them as less desirable. It shouldn't be. We should be, accepting, we should be accepting people to bring them to Christ. And that's what Barnabas did. Turn with Luke chapter 15. And this will really help this point. And Luke, Luke chapter 15. And this is the Pharisees talking about Jesus. In verse number 1, it says, then drew nigh unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Aren't you happy today that Jesus receiveth sinners? Yes. 
Aren't you happy today that when you were lost in your sin, you didn't know where else to go, and somebody showed you the Bible, somebody showed you from the Bible how to be saved, and then you accepted Christ, and Christ received you, no matter who you were? Jesus received sinners, and so should we. Not one person in this world that's not saved, God doesn't want to see saved. Not one person outside in Tom's River, as we knock on every door, God doesn't want to see saved. God receives everybody if they'll receive him. And we should be the same way. We see this in the life of Barnabas. When, 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 he, when somebody, I see it almost as this, is as a visitor comes into the church, Barnabas was the guy who runs to him. It's like, oh, I've never seen that person before. I've got to meet him. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I've always gone to 11 o'clock for a while now. And when I, sometimes when I pop into 830, I feel like everybody's a visitor because I've never been to 830 because I'm always on the bus. But so I, I just, fun. So I just remember going up to somebody and asking them how long they've been here. And they said like 10 years. And so, but it, it's good to get out and meet people that you never met before. And if you see a visitor, I mean, this is a Sunday night crowd. And I guarantee you, we've all know what I'm talking about. When you see a visitor, go up and introduce yourself to them. The more people that introduce yourself to them, the more likely they're going to come back and want to come back to church. I mean, and that's not the, not the point of what we're doing is to have people come to church. But when they come to church, they get the gospel. And that's what it's for. So be somebody who's friendly and inviting. And like I said, like the message is, have a heart for people. And that's what Barnabas had. And like I said before, God receives you. So you shouldn't be proud in your heart to not receive somebody else. He's accepted Paul when no one else did. And he defended Paul's sincerity. He's, he saw the best in somebody. We look down in verse... Oh, I flipped to Luke. Go back to Acts in chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 and verse 27. It says, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostle, and he declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way that he had spoken to him and how he had boldly preached at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he's pretty much telling everybody at the church, look, I've seen him before. He's preaching Jesus. He's right. He's, he, he, he's telling the truth. He's been converted, and he stood up for him. So if you hear somebody in the church talking about somebody else in a bad way, you know, stand up for them. Say, hey, um, that's actually not true. Or you hear somebody gossiping about somebody. Just step in, you know, that shouldn't be going on. Or... You know, there's two, you know, you may say to yourself, and I'm guilty of it as well, you know, oh, well, I don't gossip about people, but you may listen to it. It takes two people to gossip. It's not just a person telling everybody, it's a person listening to everything. And we've all heard Pastor preach that before, and, and, it, and it really hits home for me. You know, I may not be the one, oh, let me talk about this person, let me talk about this person. But if somebody else is doing it, I'm just like, oh, that is pretty interesting. <laughs> you know, oh, well, I, I didn't know that about them. But if not in the room, it's gossip. Now you say, oh, well, I'm talking really good about this person. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. It's not always really good about the person. So watch what we say and watch how we gossip about people. I mean, I mean, honestly, it's a big problem with most Baptist churches. And, you know, we like to joke that it's the women, but it's not. I mean, we do it just as much as women do. Watch how we gossip about people. And be like Barnabas. Stand up for people. Especially, I mean, even if it's not your friend. You know, I don't say, I don't really know that person. Well, stand up for them. Stand up for your fellow believers and be on the lookout for hurting people. This is, this is a point that I really think we need to get and we need to get it well. Barnabas looked for hurting people. There are hurting people everywhere in the world. There are hurting people everywhere in this church. Everywhere you look, you'll find hurting people. Reach out to them. You say, oh, well, I'm the one who's hurting. Well, reach out to somebody. Reach out to somebody else's hurting, and it'll, you can talk about it, and just be 
a Christian and have fellowship with somebody. You know, it means a lot just to take somebody out to lunch. It means a lot to just, you know, hey, let's go grab coffee and talk. Or, you know, maybe it's quick. You know, hey, let's, let's Wednesday night, you know, you want to pray with me. You, you can tell when somebody else is hurting. You can just see it on their face and you can tell, like, somebody's going through something. I guarantee you if I ask for hands and I won't, you know, who here has a burden or something they're thinking about, I guarantee you about 90% of the hands would go up in this room. Everybody's got something that they're thinking about. Reach out to people, and if you're that person who, who can see it, reach out to them. Barnabas was that person. He would look for people that are hurting. He saw Saul, and he went out to him. Now, not only was he an accepting apostle, but we see in Acts 15 that he was a brave believer. Acts chapter 15, in verse 25. Acts chapter 15 and verse 25 said, It seemed good unto us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. And here it is. It says, Men that have hazarded their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a brave believer. He wasn't afraid to risk his life for Christ. Now, we don't get any of that here in America. And we're blessed to be free. We're blessed to have freedom to come here and meet. Now, no military stops you, you know, where are you going today? You know, you look like you're going to church. Where, where, you know, they didn't track you down and force you not to go to church. We, we're free and we're blessed and we live in the greatest country on earth because of that. But if we live somewhere else, would our level of Christianity change? If we lived in another nation where we were so persecuted that we weren't even allowed to go to church, would we go to church? If we lived in, a, in another country where we wouldn't be able to have a Bible, would we still read it? Or, or if you would be persecuted for going to church or persecuted for reading the Bible or persecuted for witnessing, would you do it? I remember um, as a missionary, he uh, teaches classes at our college. His name is Brother Bassett. And there, in this country, if you hand out tracts or if you witness somebody, they literally chop your hands off. And he said, I walked in that church with 13 people with no hands. And we live in America where freedom, we can knock on any door we want, and then we, we think we have other things that are more important. It's, I mean, these people were sold out. And that's the kind of Christianity that they had in the Bible, that they were so zealous that no matter what, they were telling other people about Jesus. I mean, this is real life. That was this year that Brother Bassett did that. And there's people literally giving up their hands for Christ. He said, well, now I've got to figure out a new way to hand out tracts because I don't have any hands. He would go out with his friends and he would find other ways. And he would tell me, he goes, and... and if they did it again, actually, I just remember, if they got caught doing it again, telling people, they would cut off their tongue. And he said, even a less number, but even some people had no hands, they had no tongue, because they were proclaiming Jesus. We need to be bold in our witness. We don't have any of that here, not even close. We might get somebody who's Catholic and scream and shut the door on us. I had a, somebody from the church came out with a Saturday for the first time, and I was telling him, because we met a lot of nice people. And I was like, well, you know, it's not always this nice. And usually people are a lot meaner because this is New Jersey. I remember the one time I was walking up. It was funny. I was with two of the team boys. It was Steven and Daniel. And there was two guys playing basketball. I was like, okay. And we would, we would do this system. We would bunny hop houses, and we would start at one end of the street, and we'd wrap all the way around and end up at the car. Well, I so set it up so when we bunny hopped, the people outside playing basketball was their house. So I didn't have to talk to them. You know, the good use pastor I am, I tried to get them to talk to people. But I was like, all right, fine. I can see they don't want it. I was like, guys, I'll get this house. You guys get the next one. They're like, yay, and they ran. And then, so I'm starting to walk up to the house. Older guy playing basketball with his son. And I'm walking up to his driveway, and he's all the way out here. I mean, he must have been from here 
to the piano. I'm like, I'm not even close to him yet. He's like, that's enough there, son. I was like, no, no, he goes, he goes, you can stop right there. I was like, I just want to, nope, not interested at all. Goodbye. I was like, all right. <laughs> but like, that's about as much Persian. And, and that sometimes prohibits us from going out soul winning. And actually, not that I'm super spiritual, but my first thought in my head is like, wow, he is for sure not going to heaven. He for sure is going to hell. And he's rejecting it. And I remember uh, when we used to go out soul winning, and I used to go out soul winning with my mom, and he would, she would always say, you know, Anthony, I really believe before they go, before they get cast into hell, they're going to see our faces. And God's going to tell you, you know, I sent them to tell you. I sent them to tell you, and you rejected me. So God is sending us. We have the privilege to go out and tell other people. And, you know, God chose us to tell other people. He could have done it any other way. He could have said, all right, you know what? I'll just send my angels out. They'll get the job done. Or, you know what? I'll just make it a requirement of preachers, and that's it. No, God chose his people to tell his word to other people. I mean, we are beyond privilege to be able to proclaim Christ to other people. And it can change lives. I mean, if you're here today and you're saved, you know it can change lives because it's changed your life. Why not be part of changing someone else's life? Now, we don't do any of the changing. It's all God, but God can use us. And it's a privilege. And there's no greater joy than leading somebody else to the Lord. And if you've done it before, you know what I'm talking about. Just seeing their countenance change and then they talk about how they love being saved. I remember um, a, little, a little kid at camp. His name was Owen. And I remember he came up to me. He's like, Anthony, I got saved. And I was so happy. I was praying for the kid. And he was just overjoyed. That can happen to anybody in Tom's River. It can happen to the grumpy Catholics. And it can happen to the Jewish people. And it can happen to anybody in Tom's River if we go out and tell them. So be a bold witness. Be brave. That's how it was in Bible times. When, when the verses were written, you know, forsake all and follow me. Or when the verses were written and talking about Jesus, you know, take up your cross and follow me. And they immediately followed him. They knew what they were getting into. And today we have so much easier conditions, but less followers. Defend who you are. Oh, that's the previous point. We have become very soft Christians in America. We have everything almost handed to us, you know. We're talking, we went to Wendy's today. I mean, it was five seconds. We had a meal. And we, we, you know, we are so just privileged. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's a great thing. We're blessed of God. But sometimes we can get used to that and not realize that we have to go out and we have to, you know, maybe even get yelled at by somebody else. But it's not something that we shouldn't, it's something that we have to do because we have to be bold for Christ. Persecution shows you who you really are. Persecution can either increase your Christianity, or it'll make you run away if your Christianity is not real. Jesus is worth our life. Jesus is absolutely worth every part of our life. Jesus is absolutely worth every second of our day. He's worth Saturday, Sunday, Monday, every single day of the week. Jesus is worth serving because he's given us everything. So lastly, we have a Christ-like Christian. Turn with me to Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11 this is the last uh, passage we'll look at referring to Barnabas. Acts chapter 11, we'll start in verse 19. Uh, skip down to verse 22. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, they, that he should go as far as Antioch. And when he came, he had seen the grace of God, was glad, and he exhorted them all with the purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. 
For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. And then catch this verse. It says, Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when they had found him, he brought him unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. So we see here in verse 23, it talks about, and he exhorted them all. That word exhort means to encourage or to push somebody farther in their Christian life. Barnabas was the son of consolation. He was, he was a comforting, encouraging person. That should be each and every one of us here. Be somebody who encourages other, others. Be somebody who somebody can go to to encourage. But there's people in this church that I know if I go to them, they're going to be they're going to have a good attitude about them, and they're just going to encourage me. Be that person. You know, now it does talk about in Romans how those with the gift of exhortation, some people, I will tell you, are better at it than others, but doesn't exclude us from doing it. We should be exhorters. We should encourage other people. Encourage others to have faith. Encourage others to live godly. And talks about how he encouraged them to be full of the Holy Ghost. But I want to focus on this verse in verse 25. It says, Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. He went out of his way to encourage Saul. We see here that it talks about how Barnabas was in Antioch and Saul was in Tarsus. Now he didn't just get into a car and drive there. He didn't just call an Uber and shot up there as quick as he could. It was a day's walk to Tarsus. Now he might have had an animal or something to ride that he could have got there a little bit quicker, but it was a day's walk. It wasn't just, oh, let me go visit Saul. No, he goes, I have to. I have to get out of my way, take time, take an entire day of my life just to go visit Saul. Who do you take time for? Who do, you, who do you put time aside for to invest in? Everybody in here can invest in somebody, whether it's your kids or a younger person in the church. I mean, there's people here that I can look at and I know have invested in me. And many of you do a great job on that. Keep at it. Paul, uh, Barnabas went out of his way to encourage Saul. Paul, uh, talk about Paul was in Tarsus and it was a day's walk. We need to care about people and have a heart for people. Barnabas put a day aside just to minister to one person. He turned out to be the Apostle Paul. You don't know who you're ministering to. Barnabas didn't know when he went to go visit Saul that he was going to start a number of churches, write half the New Testament, and be the great Apostle Paul that we know of today. He didn't know that when he went to visit him. He just said, you know what, I have to go. I have to. He departed and he went to seek Saul. So you don't know who you're ministering, whether you're in a Sunday school class or a Wednesday night class or whether you're thinking about being a helper in junior church. I know pastor's been announcing that for a while. You don't know who you're ministering to. You don't know how God is going to use that kid or that teenager. So invest into people. We see that Jesus stopped for Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and, and Jesus stopped for the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Jesus stopped for just one person and we should do the same. We see that Barnabas did it first of all. Christ, uh, he, did it, he stopped for just one person and it will mean a lot. People, do something for somebody that will mean something. Make somebody's day. I mean, that's what we're here as Christians to do. Ministry is people. Life is for people. The Christian life is for others. It's not for yourself. And, and when you signed up for the Christian life, when you got saved, that, that was the conditions, that was the terms. Barnabas knew that. Barnabas put others first. Barnabas lived his life for other people, and we should do the same. We should have a heart for people. Look for hurting people. Just look. Just pray and ask God, God, give me one person to invest in. God, give me one person just to encourage or, or take out to lunch. Give me one person just to see, okay, I know they're hurting. Let me just send them a text. Let me give them a call. 
Life is for people. Make a difference in somebody else's life. Sacrifice for God and others. Accept the unacceptable. Be brave for Christ and be like Christ. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. God, I love you. God, I thank you for all you've done for us. God, I pray that you would just help us even now, God, to have a heart for people like Barnabas did. Help us to be the person that others can look to, God, for encouragement and just to know that we've been walking with God and we have something from God for them. God, I pray that we would have a heart, God, for others and for lost souls, God, for people that are dying, going to hell. God, I pray that we would seek out visitors and seek out those people that need you. God, thank you for loving me when I didn't deserve it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand. We're going to sing hymn number.